today on It's Time. Pray for kings and those in authority that we may lead quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, when they came to him and said, what will be the sign of the end, the coming end of the age, sign of your coming? Jesus said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That's one of the signs. Now again, when we look at prophecy in the Bible, we don't just look at one spot, we have to look at everything, and we have to discern, is it talking about the tribulation period, the time of the second coming of Christ, the rapture of the church when Jesus comes for his church? Do we look at the church age? We have to use some discernment here. But the thing that's important is when Jesus spoke about these things in the Bible, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, in 70 AD, friends, there were no nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. It was all the Roman Empire, period. Know how to defend your faith. When churches, ministers, anybody else teaches that there is no rapture, everything happened in 70 AD, how do you defend yourself? you got to defend yourself. How do we do that? Well, first of all, as we remember in verse 19, having faith and a good conscience. What faith? What do you put your faith in? Well, you better put it in the Bible. Nation against nation, Jesus said. Kingdom against kingdom. 70 AD, there were no nation against nation or kingdom against kingdom. It was all the Roman government. There were uprisings, they would come in and smash whatever it was that was causing the problem. And thus, 70 AD, the Titus, this Roman general, not the Titus that's in the Bible, this Roman general came in, leveled the city of Jerusalem. The Jews were humiliated to see their glorious city now decimated. The Bible tells us that not one stone, Jesus said, would be left upon another. As when they burnt the temple and the gold that was lining the inside of the temple melted and ran into the cracks. In order to extract the gold, they tore the building down and took the gold away. Titus and the Roman government, as an act of humiliation against the Jews, allowed the Jews to go into the area where Jerusalem was one day a year. And that was the day that it was destroyed. So you don't think anything unusual Happened this week with Jerusalem? Our president recognized Jerusalem as the capital. He said that which is obvious. Yes, it's true. And dating clear back to Cyrus the king, in the Old Testament 3,000 years ago, he recognized Jerusalem was the capital. I listened to the head of Hamas, who said... 
Jerusalem shall never be a, a personal city. It's a religious city for the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims. And it's also the capital of the Palestinians. Ah, there it is! You don't care about a religious city. You've got an issue to make. By the way, friends, we've all been over this many times, but the land that the Palestinians claim was never Palestinian land ever. It belonged to Jordan, and Jordan lost it in the Six-Day War. When a coalition of Arab neighbors came against the nation of Israel, and in six days, Israel whooped the entire Middle East. Really, the entire Middle East should be Jerusalem, or should be Israel. Uh, Sobrinin, he was the uh, Russian ambassador, came to Harry Kissinger with a message. He said, if you do not stop Israel, this is in 1967, if you do not stop Israel from taking over the entire Middle East, we will come against Israel and destroy it. Well, of course, they couldn't have done that. God was with them. But the point is, is this. We see Jerusalem now, after 70 AD, just being annihilated. Nothing left. A humiliation to the Jewish people. Now, their capital again. You don't think we're in some unusual times? No, friends, it didn't all happen in 70 AD. It's yet to come. There are those that say, as Timaeus did, the resurrection is already passed. You missed it. Um, false teaching is going to be around. And then there's going to be those, such as Alexander, that are going to distort the way people see God. A little carved, little little copper little thing, you know, oh, this is God. Take one home today. You know, I mean, I, I the crazy stuff people do. Well, verse 2. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, whenever you find therefore in the Bible, find out why it's therefore, because it's a continuation of thought of what you've already been reading. Therefore, I exhort or build up, first of all, that of that supplications. Uh, those are uh, just petitions before God. Prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. And I believe that, friends. We want to pray for everybody. You know, there's nobody living today, I believe, that is beyond the hand of God's forgiveness. And I think that's really, really important for everyone to recognize. Your worst enemy in Jesus Christ can become your best friend. Certainly Saul, who later became Paul, who was going around persecuting Christians, delivering them up to be murdered, uh, Paul very much, I believe, recognized how God can change somebody's life. For kings and all those in authority, and by the way, in these days, the Roman government was tyrannical. They were cruel. Even the whole idea of execution and the cross was really that to inflict as much pain as possible. This is why we, in our Founding fathers said, no cruel and unusual punishment. Well, when it comes to death, of course, you kill them. You don't sit there and torture them. Well, this is what the Roman government did, though. They tortured who they were killing. 
but he says they're not beyond God's salvation. So we're to pray for kings and those in authority that may, we may lead quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And I, I believe this is the way we should be as citizens. However, when the government goes against what the Word of God says, then I have to be in conflict with that government. Now, again, when we see our tax dollars going to Planned Parenthood, who are murdering over 50 million babies so far since they have had this, this um, Roe versus Wade decision, and our tax dollars go to that. And then we see laws that prohibit what you can do with those aborted babies. And yet Planned Parenthood, and they're in trouble now. They're being investigated, I read just this week, of selling body parts uh, again on the market. They get caught doing this all the time. Anybody else would be in jail, but they're able to skirt this because there's two sets of laws now in our country. There's the laws for the elitists, and there are, there's the laws for all of us. This is a problem that we see over and over again. This is why I believe we certainly need to pray for our government. Because he says this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. By the way, here you find something interesting. God our Savior. Who is Jesus Christ, our Savior? Then what would that make Jesus? God, just remember that. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just because a person is a Democrat or a Republican or an independent or a communist or a liberal or a conservative, it doesn't make any difference. Everybody needs Jesus. I think this is what we always must remember. And people that are in darkness stumble. That's what the Bible says. That's why the Bible says they're in darkness. How do you expect a non-regenerated human being to act when they have not come into the light of Christ? They stumble, they make terrible decisions, they ruin their lives, they ruin other people's lives. This is just the way it works. That's because they're in darkness. Now, the last thing, and I need to be careful because I can get this way, and I found myself doing this, I can walk up angry, with blind politicians, want to kick them in the shins and say, stupid blind person, you can't see where you're going. That's exactly right. Because we need to pray for them that the light of God comes in their life. I, I think it's so interesting to me that we, our nation is divided. And, and, and it's, it seems to be splitting apart even more because what we have is we have one party in particular that seems to embrace every wicked thing out there, whether it's the LBGT thing, whether it's abortion, whether it's, it's, it's legalized murder, whatever it might be. In other words, no punishment for murder. And then you have another party that seems to be that which stands for what's left in the world that's good. And I realize that people can be in darkness but not be profane. You can be in darkness and be profane. I think this is where the problem comes from. So I believe that really God calls us to pray for our leaders. And friends, we need to pray for our leaders um, a lot of pressure on them. So when I look at this, I realize we are in a turmoil. We are commissioned by God to pray for those. There's only one mediator, he says here in verse 5, between God and men, 
And that's the man Christ Jesus. Why? Jesus came as a man to be our ultimate sacrifice. The first Adam in the Bible sold us all into sin. And it was one man, Jesus Christ, who got us all out of the sin. You know, I've had people say that before. How could one man, Jesus Christ, die for the sins of the whole world? The same way the first Adam sinned and sold all of mankind into that slavery. There's one mediator. There's no other. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In that verse, Jesus categorically said, every religion of the world is bogus. I didn't say that. That's why the idea, and sometimes you see these bumper stickers driving down the street, says coexist. It's got this crescent from the Islam, and it's got the T for Christians, and it's got all these different yin-yang symbols and all those kinds of things. Coexist. John Lennon. Sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer. Yep, you are, dude. Christianity True Christianity is not mixable with other religions. Why is that? Because Jesus said he was the only way to the Father. Jesus is not a Savior. He is the Savior. A big difference. There is only one God and one mediator. By the way, depending on which religion you get into, there's a lot of gods. The Bible here says there's only one. Now, if you go to Isaiah uh, 44, God is speaking there. He says, I am the only God, and besides me, there is no other. So any hope of you becoming a God yourself, having your own planet with all the other little God planets out there, the Bible does not substantiate that. There's only one God. And the Bible says one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Any attempt to make Mary a co-redemptress. In other words, you can pray to Jesus or Mary, false teaching. You see, this is why when you know the Bible, there's a boldness that comes because you know that that is false. Rather than saying, well, you know, true is true if it's true to you. No, True is true when it's based upon God's word and it's authenticated. It isn't the way I view things. It's the way God views things. It isn't the way I view God by this little beautiful carving. This is what God looks like. He's stuck right there. See you next week, God. No, that he's everywhere. And what does God, this God, this one mediator want from all of us? Well, it says who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. For in which I was appointed a preacher, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher to the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I desire that all men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You see, um, by nature, we can be wrathful people. We just can be that way. Uh, what's eating him? How come that guy's having a bad day or whatever? The Bible just says, pray, lifting up. You know, it's kind of interesting, lifting up holy hands. Do you, do you realize, I, I, I have kids, and I've noticed two things about kids. And if we're God's kids, I think this is important. But I realize something.
When my little girl comes to me and she's got her hands up, I don't think she's acting like she's in a bank with a robber with a gun. No, her hands are up because she wants me to do what? Lift her up. I believe sometimes when we pray and we lift our hands, we're saying, God, lift me up. It's interesting if you go back into the Old Testament. You have, you have this story about people that held up Moses' arms while Joshua fought the battle down below. You have Aaron holding up one hand. We know who Aaron is. And a guy named Her, now not a boy named Sue, a guy named Her. And one would hold up one arm and Aaron would hold up the other. And as long as his hands were up, the battle went in the favor of Joshua and the children of Israel. But finally, when they'd let his arms down, then they would begin to win the other way. I believe that there's a great thing in the way, spiritually speaking, we posture our heart. Now, if you want to physically lift your hands, I don't think that's wrong, and sometimes you'll see that in church here. But I've noticed a couple things about me in my life. When I pray and I have my hands up like this, that's up, Daddy. I've noticed also another time we lift our hands. God forbid this would happen to you. But if you're in a bank, somebody comes in, everybody's hands up and he's got his little Tommy gun out. Everybody's got their hands up. What is that? That's a sign of surrender. But I've noticed in surrendering to God, in surrendering period, usually my hands are in this position. But when I want to receive something from God, daddy up, my hands are like this. Next time you pray, you might want to look at your posture. It might tell you a little bit about what's going on inside of you. God, do you want to surrender something? Do I need to surrender something to you? Or do I want to receive something? Either way, it's great. But he says here, therefore, I desire that all men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You see, when we doubt, and it isn't, and and the thing is, friends, the doubting isn't, and this is where the faith movement gets really off. Well, you just claim that brand new car and don't doubt when you ask for it, and whammo, it's yours. Now, they don't tell you what to do with the car payments after you get it, but that's another whole topic. The wavering or the doubt is that, God, I do not want a car or a house or anything. These are things I recognize I need in my life. But what I want is your perfect will. See, God knows what I need. I don't know what I need. I go in my garage and look at stuff I bought. I go, why did I buy that? Seemed like a good idea at the time. We can have a lot of things, but we don't need, we need God's will. Next time you pray and ask the Lord for something, say, Lord, I would like to have this, but you know what? More than that, I want your will. Because when God sees us surrendered to his will, again, lifting up holy hands, I believe God does amazing things. Remember this, you got a God that loves you. 
is God that's concerned about every intimate detail of your life. Now, sometimes just because we can't see him, don't think he's not around. Again, we don't want a God that is carved, stuck in a place. Hey, God, see you next Sunday. Hope you do good. You got a nice place here. No, that's not what God wants. He wants us to recognize he always is with us. That's one of the interesting things about the tabernacle of meeting that was in the wilderness before David built God a temple, or maybe I should say Solomon did, David just got it ready, is that the tabernacle of meeting went with the people. Wherever the people went, the temple of God, the tabernacle of God went, this tent. God says, you put it up, I'll meet you there. I like that. It isn't that God needs a building to be found in. He's found in us. You see, as long as you always recognize that God loves you, he wants to have a relationship with you as a dad towards his child, a loving father, that gives you an idea of how much he cares. I don't want to go to God and demand anything. Crawl up in my dad's lap. I demand you give me this. I'm using my magic juju faith words, and you got to give it to me. I listen to some of the stuff that I hear on television, and I just go, oh, no. Fables. You don't need that. You need God's will in your life. Daddy knows best. Always ask God every day for his best for you. Lord, I don't want anything. What I want is you. You are the thing that I want in my life. I want your purpose, your will. That way, I know at the end of my life, God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, it was about you. It wasn't about me. That's what God says. We'll stop here today because next week we're going to get into the order of things. God has an order for all things. And so we want to look at that. But, you know, today I pray that if you don't have a relationship with God, God's estranged to you because you've never accepted him as your Savior. Oh, you may know about God. You may know that he's there. But the thing is, in our minds sometimes we conceive what God is like rather than what the Bible tells us he's like. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That tells me a lot about the nature of God, that God will make the first move and we're responders. I pray you respond to that call, that love that God offers you because it's the only means by which you can get free of your past. Your past will destroy you. Those memories, those thoughts, those those damages to your soul done by others, only Jesus can, can heal you of that. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray. And it's really quite simple. We just say, Lord, come in my life. Forgive my past. I want to live for you. If you don't want another 10 years like you just had, if you don't want another 20 years like you just had, if you don't want another week like you just had, again, David said his promises are new every morning. You need to be renewed daily in him Let him do that for you. We're going to pray. And if you need to get right with God, you pray this wherever this room or listening around the world on the internet. Pray. And let's see what God will do. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. 
I want my life to mean something in eternity. And so therefore, forgive my past. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And so now I commit my life into your hands. Make me the best I can be for you. And Lord, watch over and protect me and keep me each day. And I always want to climb in your lap and say, Daddy, thank you for loving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.